It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 237, entitled, In the US, We Have a Government. It was recorded on Monday, the 16th of January, 2023. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and as always, I'm joined by three other guests. This week, it is the turn of Jess Frick. Mazzy Osman and also Zach Swinehart. It's a WordPress podcast, so guess what? We're going to talk about WordPress. We spend a little bit of time at the beginning with me just talking about a few articles produced over at WordPress.org from Anne McCarthy and Justin Tadlock. They're all about core editor improvements and layout classes in WordPress 6.1. We also give a bit of a shout out to the fact that I'm doing the Page Builder Summit later on in the month and the fact that we're looking for sponsors for that event. And also, we've got a show this coming Tuesday, so possibly the day that you're hearing this for the first time, with Peter Neri, the UI UX show. We're looking for sites for that particular show. The full site editing program is after some volunteers to help out on version 20 of the call for testing. And should WordPress have a certification program? We spend a lot of time thinking that through. The Blaze Ad Network has been launched on WordPress.com. It was previously only on Tumblr. You can find out all about that. And should WordPress be more social? Should it have more social aspects to it? And finally, a large chat about AI. It's all coming up next on This Week in WordPress. This episode of the WP Builds podcast is brought to you by GoDaddy Pro the home of managed WordPress hosting that includes free domain, SSL, and 24-7 support. Bundle that with the hub by GoDaddy Pro to unlock more free benefits to manage multiple sites in one place, invoice clients, and get 30% off new purchases. Find out more at go.me forward slash WPBuilds. Hello, 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 episode number 234. No, it's not, I cannot read. Uh, episode number 237 of This Week in WordPress. Um, very, very glad to have you here. If you uh, fancy sharing this podcast and getting other people to come in live, it's always nice when the comments fill up. Um, go to wpbuilds.com forward slash live, copy and paste that URL and stick it in a social platform somewhere and press return and uh let's see see what we can do today i'm joined by three lovely guests one of whom we've seen many many times before hello jess hello nathan good morning yeah happy new year i don't think i've seen you happy since new year. the new year yeah did you get any well, nice I mean, christmas presents like... or... oh yeah yeah i got lots of nice christmas presents um but you know now that i'm i'm a little bit older it's not so much the toys and it's more things like you know stuff from my car Oh, yeah, yeah. You get the Star Wars figures this year or... No, no, I'm lacking the new Barbie, but, you know, it was good. How about yours? Yeah, I got I got this thing from my father, which was a car computer. Basically, you, you plug it into the car and it tells you what's gone wrong. And I actually Those have are... several things wrong with my car. And I, I just, I was a bit mocking of it. I said, yeah, it'll never work. Plugged it in, got them all straight away. First time it was... Those are incredible. so cool. Yeah, you used to have yeah. to go to the mechanic to get them to plug it in. And now well, you, that's right. the it's power is in your hands. Significantly cheaper than that. Anyway, Jess, we digress. Jess is the Director of Operations for Pressable, which is a very fine WordPress hosting company. She's also an ice tea connoisseur. She's the team rep for the Make WordPress hosting team 
and a proud member of the post status community. She's been on many, many times. So it's very, very nice to have you back. Thank you so much for joining us once more. We're also joined by Maddie Osman. I forgot to ask if I was going to pronounce your surname correctly. You got it, you got it right. <laughs> Osman, right. No worries. And how are you? You all right? I'm, I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. I'm going to read out your biography, and then if anything comes to mind, I'll ask you some additional things. Maddie is the best-selling author of The Writing for Humans and Robots, which we'll come on to later. Uh, Writing for Humans and Robots, The New Rules of Content Style. She's the founder of the Blogsmith Strategic Content Agency that works with clients like Kinsta, Nexus, Elementor, and GoDaddy, right in the WordPress space. Check it out. The Blogsmith specializes in translating technical language into something understandable, by the layperson. Have you always been into sort of content writing and things then? Or is that like a thing you did at college or how did that it, come about? That's where it started, yeah. Hmm. It kind of in, in tandem with the web design stuff. But now I just mostly do the content stuff. The the companies that you put in the bio, you've listed those. Do you work exclusively with WordPress companies or is that just a happy collection that you've got? That's, again, kind of where it started, I would say. Hmm. And, and nowadays we mostly work with b2b SaaS in general nice nice yeah. well thank you thank you for joining us today i thank hope you, you enjoy it and hope you come back and and so on and then also last but by no means least we have zach swinehart who by the way gets the gets the award i don't have an award zach but if i had an award for the best actual real background <laughs> for anybody that's appeared on this show because, I mean, Zach's basically in his own library, which is just great. Hello, Zach. Hello. <laughs> nice to I don't know uh... that any of the books are actually in English, so oh. I don't enjoy the library, but it's small detail. Uh, ambiance. It's yeah. a small detail. Yeah, most of us can only achieve these sort of the parquet library effect by clicking a Zoom background or something <laughs> like that. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what's the same, if it's the same with you, Maddie and Jess and do you have to do a bit of a clear up each time you come on a show like this? Is there stuff that just sort of gets piled in over time? Because I have to. Basically, yeah. if I was to swivel my camera down there, it's a bit of a hill of just crud and stuff like that. <laughs> Jess is nodding. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just don't look right there because okay. that's all the stuff that I'm going to sell someday. Yeah, fortunately. Oh, right. we can't I have one of those. <laughs> yeah, 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 right behind me, load of stuff on the floor and what have you. But Zach, fabulous background. So Zach, if you're interested in this, Zach, actually, curiously, by real good coincidence, I don't know if it was good coincidence, maybe you booked it deliberately, Zach, I don't know. But uh, Zach is actually featuring on the WP Builds podcast this week. And then because Zach had uh, an interesting subject, we managed to make it span two episodes. So It'll be on in a couple of weeks as well, but I'll give you Zach's bio. Zach Swinehart has been building in WordPress as a freelancer since 2009. He loves using WordPress to rapidly build complex designs and as a backbone for SaaS products. He's one of the partners at doubleyourfreelancing.com and enjoys teaching people how to leverage freelancing to create more freedom and optionality in their lives. I actually didn't know, Zach, from the conversation that we had, which was nothing really to do with WordPress. It was all about sort of optimizing your life and mm -hmm. life mm -hmm. hack, if you like. I didn't realize that you were sort of building SaaS on top of WordPress. That's really interesting, cool subject. Yeah, I quite like it, especially for MVPs. I think I don't have a lot of experience scaling a SaaS product on WordPress. I don't know how well a SaaS product would scale, especially if you're not using like headless WordPress or something. But for quickly getting an MVP done, it's great. 
Yeah, I was chatting to a guy called Corey Mass. I don't know if you know him, but uh, I'm putting an episode out on the WP Tavern in two mm. days' time, all about that exact subject. He has the same yeah. approach as you. He, he quickly builds things inside of WordPress, and then he just sees if there's an audience there. And if there is an audience there, maybe scales it or maybe, you know, gets rid of it or maybe just kind of moves over to some other programming language mm. and, and does it that way. But, yeah, very nice to have you on the podcast today. Uh, as always, pretty much always the first comment that comes in is a weather report from <laughs> Peter Ingersoll. Literally every week Peter drops in a weather report. Uh, it's hysterical. Uh, greetings from Connecticut. There is currently minus one degrees centigrade, 30 degrees Fahrenheit under okay. cloudy skies, had a dusting of snow overnight. That, Peter literally is verbatim my weather report. It's minus one at the minute. There are cloudy skies and we had snow overnight. So I don't know. <laughs> that's kind of weird. But thank you for joining us, Peter. If, bit of housekeeping, hope you don't mind. If you want to be a part of the show, there's a couple of places you can go. The first one, as I said earlier, is wpbuilds.com forward slash live. If you go there, you have to be logged into some Google property because it's YouTube. And so the comments need you to be logged into YouTube. Alternatively, if you're joining us on Facebook, uh, you can share your username and avatar only if you do the following. You've got to go to chat.restream.io forward slash FB. It'll be in the notes at the top of the post. Click the link there to authorize Restream. Otherwise, you'll come through as anonymous, you know, just the ordinary little avatar. Some people get over that by just writing their name at the beginning of the comment, but up to you. But Nathan, if they go mm -hmm. to YouTube, can they subscribe there? Good grief, Jess. Now, it's, I had, no, I don't know. I have no idea. Don't ask me about that. No Somebody idea. will have I'm, to try it and let I'm us know. I'm so hopeless at this kind of thing. Yeah, <laughs> probably I imagine there's a way to subscribe. Oh, yeah. No, it's an embedded video. So you'd have to go to the YouTube channel and then subscribe over. The, yeah, I'm sure you can. We don't have that many YouTube subscribers, really. This is um, this is all about the audio, which we'll strip out and podcast all, all about tomorrow. So here we go. Right, WordPressy stuff. Let's get ourselves on the screen. And okay, first things first. This is our website. We are WP Build. If you do want to subscribe via email, as Jess was sort of very kindly suggesting, um, this is probably the best way to do it. If you go to wpbuilds.com, there's a little subscribe form on the front. Use that. Alternatively, like she said, you can go to our search Google for WP Builds YouTube channel. You can subscribe over there. But uh, yeah. The next thing to mention is a WordPress story. This is a couple of things that I'm just going to rip through very quickly, if that's all right, you three guests. If you want to uh, butt in and interrupt, please feel free to do so. But I'm not imagining there's a lot of discussion about this one. The first one is just a piece by Anne McCarthy. We've got several pieces featuring her today. It's over on make.wordpress.org called Core Editor Improvement, Advancing the Site Editor Experience. And essentially, she goes over a whole bunch of things, including little snippet videos. They're about 30, 20 seconds long, where she just emphasizes, okay, this is how it does it. Because I think it's all very well explaining in text. Here's a new feature. Here's a new thing that we did. 
but it's always easier to have a little bit of text and then a video to see it. And so that's what she's done. And I commend her for that because it just makes it so easy to understand. And the things that she wants to highlight in the recent past are providing clarity and ease. She's got a section about the reusable template parts and the way the UI works for that. She's got a section about the navigation block and how that's all been now put inside the sidebar on the right. And then she's also got this section about um, these global um, rows and things and the fact that they've decided to separate those out with different colors. It's a, it's a good read. If you're following WordPress and you're getting confused every time you update, you just sort of think, ooh, what's happened? I didn't really follow what went on there. Definitely recommend in one way, shape, or form following Anne McCarthy. She goes by the, by the title Anne Zazu. Uh, she's in post status, I think, quite a lot, and she's on make.wordpress Slack as well. And it's just really worth following everything that she does. So I'll link to that in the show notes. Did any of you have anything to comment on that? I suspect not, but feel free if you did. I just think it's really cool that style book feature because um, that, that's kind of what I'm all about. Style guides, making it really clear, you know, what the existing visual hierarchy of things is. So I think that's going to be really useful. Was that this one? It was right near the bottom. It was one line, of the it? first videos, I think. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll that like sort of pink background there. Yeah, this is the this is the sort of style guides. This has been in WordPress for a little bit of time now, and it's really really nice. You know, you get this palette of different options on the right hand side where you can select different um, different ways that your that your theme will look. And you just sort of click through them all. And the new default theme in WordPress 2023 has got like, I don't know, 10, 12, something like that. They're all really different. They don't change, you know, a great deal apart from colors, borders, margin, padding, that kind of thing. But the, the transformation that you can get just by clicking those buttons is pretty, yeah, pretty transformational. So, yeah, thank you for mentioning that. Anything else or shall I move on? I'll move on. I'll move on. Okay. Okay. Again, this is something I just wanted to briefly mention. Um, Justin Tadlock, who is now at Automatic, he used to write very regularly on WP Tavern. He's got an article which he's entitled A Walkthrough of Layout Classes in 6.1. It's a pretty quick read. It's probably going to take you like 20 minutes, but he's he essentially has decided to put all of the bits and pieces regarding that title into this one piece. He says, and I quote, layout release related classes are given to container type blocks in WordPress. They define how nested blocks are aligned with their parents. Most extenders will immediately associate layer classes with the group block and the row and stack variations. However, WordPress uses classes for other blocks, such as social icons and so on. Um, and then the following list is a bird's eye view of the current state of classes in WordPress 6.1. And there's absolutely boatloads of them and he gives little code examples of how they all work so again it's a bit technical but if that rings any bells go and check that out again i'll link to it in the show notes okay call for testing this is Anne McCarthy once again. This is her 20th call for testing. Sorry, guys. I know you guests are sort of sitting there listening to me drone on. It will be over after this one. Um, she's put together her 20th call for testing. The overview uh, is find your style, and she wants to see how you are able to achieve some of the recent things that have been pushed into WordPress. So the items that are being tested are push changes to, to styles and also add an option to import widgets from sidebars. Uh, if you are into testing and wanting to make the WordPress future a little bit more smooth and streamlined, she needs your help 
Uh, again, I'll link to it in the show notes. All right. Apologies for those three rumblings. I just thought I'll get them out of the way very, very quickly. This is the first one, which I think there's probably something to talk about. Um, this is on WP Minute. When I started creating websites, there was no, there was no, almost nothing that you could find to help you in that enterprise. There was very little online. A few books were out on the shelves. I've got gray hair, so that tells you how long ago all of this happened. But it was essentially, if you thought you could do it and you wanted to put a little bit of time into it, you could develop a career in web development. It wasn't really called that. It was like website building and things back then. It was a lot more straightforward than it was now. But there was no way of sort of certifying yourself and saying, I have... Yeah. the necessary skills. Well, the same is pretty much true in WordPress, if you think about it. If you consider yourself to be a WordPress expert, the only way you can really justify that is probably producing a CV of jobs that you've had, projects that you've done, people's testimonials, and so on. Mm -hmm. And the idea has been raised more recently, and it's mentioned in this article on WP Minute by Eric Karkovac. Uh, and he's basically putting together the question, should we have a WordPress certification program? In other words, should there be some stamp of authority from some organization somewhere which says, you know, Zach can do this, Maddie can do this, Jess can do this. What, what does that mean? What does that look like? Who would create it? How authoritative would it be? How long should it last? You know, all of these kind of things. And I, I kind of think in the increasingly competitive world that we have in WordPress, this, to me, at least feels like a good idea to explore. So with that, I'm going to open up the floor and say, what do you think? Do you think this is something that would benefit, I don't know, particularly um, Jess being an employer uh, or working for a company certainly that wants to employ WordPress experts. What do you what do you make of all this? Oh, and Courtney got here just in time. Oh, did she? Uh, <laughs> I wondered if she'd drop in. Yeah. Uh, I'm admittedly biased. I'm, I'm on the board of directors for Certified WP. So that's... Um... So you don't think there should be one is what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. <laughs> She's been there to just I, throw bombs into the... I am. I'm the mole. Um, but, you know, Certified WP was uh, founded with this idea of helping military veterans find jobs. And in order to qualify for some of the programs available to veterans and, you know, military members, um, there has to be credentialing through the Department of Defense. And so I can Sorry, share Jess, with you can, that can Certified... You Sorry, I do apologize. Could you just run that back a little bit and talk about yeah. the, the, the U.S. military connection there? Because I, I would imagine a lot of people probably don't get that piece of the jigsaw. Yeah, Sorry. I forget that you guys aren't all in the U.S. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, in the U.S., we have a government. Um, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm writing that down. That's the title of the podcast there you today. Go. <laughs> in the U.S., we have a government. Right. Sorry, we have Karen. a government sometimes. Um, well, you know, when military members uh, sign up for service, it's usually in terms um, and they can renew uh, for, you know, their entire career. But a lot of times, you know, once they've fulfilled their service, uh, then they move on to jobs in civilian world. Um, there are programs for helping veterans get jobs. And so the idea behind this was to try to help more veterans enter the WordPress community. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm specifically speaking about Certified WP, which you can find at certifiedwp.com. Um, and so this was 
developed uh, as a not-for-profit organization to help um, mm -hmm. these veterans find a place in our community. Of course, you could watch all the YouTube videos in the world, but that's not going to help you get where you need to go quickly enough to, you know, feed your family. Um, and so this was intended to just kind of create an onboarding program. Uh, since then, there has been a lot of controversy. Do we need it? Don't we need it? Um, mm -hmm. You know, I know Learn W Learn uh, WP, it, the, the uh, WordPress.org founded education is fantastic. Um, but that's not going to be enough for the Department of Defense um, if they want to start giving funds and helping veterans enter this. Mm -hmm. So it's still in its infancy. Um, we're still figuring out what the curriculum entails. We're still looking for letters from employers to say, yes, I would hire someone who took a certification program that met this criteria and i would expect that they would know enough to become a wordpress developer on my team Don't, and that's kind this? of where that goes and now yeah. to be fair i believe there may be other people in the wordpress community who have been talking about certifications so i am specifically talking about just that one um i can't speak to the other ones but yeah, I think uh, I, I don't see a downside to it. Can we stick with certified WP for a minute and then we could broaden the conversation to just what it might look for in general. So if we stick with the certified WP and the military, do you know, is there a, does the department, it's called the Department of Defense, right? We call it the Ministry of Defense here, but okay. Does the Department of Defense sort of interface between people coming out of the military and uh, let's say companies, institutions, organizations mm -hmm. offering employment. So not necessarily with WordPress, but do, uh, can you map, for example, he was a guy who repaired helicopters in the military. Mm -hmm. We're going to hook you up with people on the other side, the civilian side, who may be interested in your skill set. And if that's the case, is there, a co is there a correlation between, I don't know, I was working in something to do with computers on the on the military side and then out on the civilian side these companies might be interested or is it more like look you're coming out of the military it's a complete clean break we'll just start you from scratch on an internet-based job uh, in this case you know encapsulated by wordpress um in the united states it's not that clean of a path i can mm -hmm. share for example my brother was in the navy and he worked on computers on amphibi amphibious ships. And he has since translated that through training with the military into a career working on HVAC computers for large organizations. Um, and so there, it, it's not like a quick cut and then you start doing this other job. There's a middle period with the training and then the onboarding. And, you know, the, there are um, veteran affairs here that kind of, manage that gap it's not perfect though hmm. that's interesting though isn't it okay right thank you that's fascinating so uh <laughs> let's open it up now to the the whole bigger debate as to whether or not wordpress itself nothing to do with the military or certified wp um whether or not this would be a good idea because at the minute there really isn't anything you can say you've sat through a bunch of videos and you say i'm actually really good and my ex-employer can certify me but what do you think and Zach? Can, can we yes. also elevate what Courtney said there? 
Apologies, um, I haven't read Courtney's comment. Let me go. Let me have a look. Uh, right, so we should say, first of all, by coincidence, Courtney's, well, she's always here. Let's be kind to her. Uh, Courtney's very <laughs> often here. But she was the, the person fe featured at the state of the word in the video, which was embedded in the post that we're talking about. She asked the question about this. Um, that rabble rouser. That she, yes, yes. Uh, doing all the right things, like wearing a mask and all of that. Oh, uh, <sighs> yeah. Um, so she says... She says, I found much of the same as a boot camp instructor. We received funds from the government for retaining un unemployed, underrepresented individuals. It needed, an, it needed official curriculum. Okay. Uh, Learn WP can be that official learning pathway towards certs. We do have plans in Learn WP as well, as, as well for certifications. So if you don't know, learn.wordpress.org, if you go there, you are presented with an increasingly um, voluminous set of learning content. There's all sorts of different learning styles. You know, you can read, you can, um, you can watch, and it's about all the different subjects. It's growing over time, but, it, but there isn't a way of sort of saying at the end, I passed this test, I've got this thing. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Zach, Maddie, anything on this? I have thoughts. Uh, so... Obviously, my the angle I'm coming at from here is as a freelancer who's working with clients. And mm -hmm. something that I've experienced a lot over the years is I'll work with a client who, before me, they worked with what I call a WordPress assembler. And I've noticed that it's really difficult for a client to know the difference between a WordPress developer mm -hmm. and WordPress assembler. And so as I looked at some of the stuff we're going to be talking about today with the direction that WordPress core is moving and stuff like the, the vibes that I get, and I don't super keep up to date with the cutting edge of WordPress, but the vibes I'm getting is that WordPress's goal is to be more accessible to the layman. Like all this stuff we see about the site editor, the yeah. whole goal of that is to make it more square spacey, Wixy kind of thing, build your whole website yourself. And so to me, Layout builders were kind of the first rung of the ladder that makes the WordPress assembler more empowered, which is mm. great for WordPress assemblers. And it can be great for clients too, because they can get websites for cheaper and stuff. Um, but to me, as the barrier to entry lowers, I think that there's more and more need for WordPress certification uh, to allow, in this case, again, my angle is thinking about a client, to allow a client to know if this person that they might hire is trained enough to do proper dev stuff, or if they're more, you know, build a cheap site for a few hundred bucks on Elementor or whatever kind of level. So to me, I think WordPress certification, if done right, like if there were different tiers versus an all or nothing kind of thing, uh, to me, that would be great. Mm, yeah, interesting. I like the idea of tiers. I guess it would go off in different directions. Like you said, it could be, you know, you're experienced at using built turning around one day websites with a page builder or your experience building your own custom blocks with react or your experience building i don't know uh block themes or whatever it might be yeah it'd be interesting to see if those different pathways opened up sorry maddie <laughs> um i think zach what you're saying also maybe brings out a, a bigger and separate issue which is just the fact that site builders like wix and uh, Squarespace and things like that, like, honestly, at, at this point, feel a little bit easier to use than WordPress. And so having a certification program could help get people on the same page. It could help forge, you know, this uh, linear learning path or nonlinear, but, you know, according to whatever discipline that you want to go into with WordPress. And I also think that, 
you know, we have Google Analytics certifications. You can get certified in Salesforce. Um, there's like a whole subculture for that and getting the, the badges and stuff. So it seems like we're maybe even like behind by not having a central certification authority for that. And I think, yeah, in order for it to be successful, there would need to be some accredited overseeing body to do that. Um, I have some ideas for who it could be, but at the end of the day, just, yeah, maybe not just being something that you can go online and get yourself without any, you know, feedback from an instructor or any sort of like practical projects. I think that would still need to be part of it for sure. It's interesting the comparison you made with things like Google and Salesforce, because obviously it's it's all on their territory, isn't it? You know, they're, they are basically, you pay, I don't know if you pay, to be honest, maybe their training is free, but you go through their training, they then test you, and then you are accredited on products which they can then sell into the marketplace. So there's a, there's a real obvious connection there. Mm-hmm. Google will win if you certify on their on their training and presumably the same would be true for Salesforce and so on. So we're in a really different position, aren't we? Because who, who would, who would be the person that would be certifying and what would be kind of like the WordPress way for that? But also it occurs to me that in order for any of these certifications to have any value, you've got to have buy-in from all the companies that may be interested in this. So let's say for example, I don't know, Pressable. Jess is on the screen, so I'm saying the word pressable. Um, if you went to Pressable and said, I've got this certification from WP Builds, which say that I can build a WordPress, I mean, they're just, what? Who? No, that it's not worth the paper it's written on. It needs to be something that over time gets, gets kudos, gets prestige, it, it's got value behind it, so that if you do actually succeed in getting it, it's, uh, you know, the, the employers will, oh, all right, okay, that'll get you through the door. Let's have a chat with you. But also it's got to be maintained and up to date. And as we've seen with the stuff that Anne McCarthy's putting out, WordPress is changing at such a breakneck speed. How would these materials have have kind of relevance in a year's time, two years' time? I I honestly don't know. It's a real it's a real conundrum and a puzzle. Courtney has thoughts, though. She says uh, that she agrees on presumably what Zach introduced there, different types of learning certs. That's very much the plan. Okay, thank you, Courtney. Uh, Oh, and also um, content creators, assemblers, designs, varying devs. Okay, so you're talking four minimum, maybe five different pathways um, where people can go and learn. Courtney, I, I, it may be that we've moved on by the time you reply to this, but can I ask you directly a question? Are you, are you thinking about a certification at the end where they sit an exam where some body, some space body, um, is in charge of saying this is legit? You know, they, we can provably say that they sat down in, I don't know, some sort of exam condition or that, they went through the gamut of things that they needed to do in order to prove that they did this. Because, again, that would be important. You know, you've got to prove that it was you that sat in. It wasn't your, you know, your colleague sat next to you who was actually really good at it. <laughs> you know, those, those kind of things. So, yeah. Anything else to but add on that beyond, subject? Beyond the exam, you know, I think we need to get behind something enough so that the certification matters. Um, you know, not picking on Maddie because I've seen her writing and she's absolutely brilliant. But how many certified content creators have you seen that took some class from some website 
And right. the certification's like, oh, you spent 500 bucks. Yay. Like, yeah. it doesn't mean anything unless everybody says it does. Same. Okay, so thank you, Courtney. She's right back at us. That's brilliant. Um, yes, I've discussed this, this with uh, Automatics Angela Jin. Training team as a whole is working on this. And okay, here's a here's an interesting piece. Looks like Joomla have perhaps done this already. She says she's learned a bit from Joomla, how Joomla has done this down to pricing the exams for varying national economics. Yes, that's a good point. You know, that God, the whole range of different countries and languages where this might be applicable. Oh, wow, it gets complex quickly. And spoken <laughs> to some of the Drupal community folks like Amy June Heinlein of sorry if I've butchered your name, Amy, about how their process works. Um, and Rob Cairns has also said we have to be careful about certs and there has to be ongoing upgrading as part of it. Okay, so, yeah, that might be an interesting bit. Like mm -hmm. over here in the UK, when you've got your driving license, every so often, you, I admit you have to be fairly old to do it, but at some point you have to re-accredit yourself. You have to basically say, I am still fit to drive and that might be a good way of doing it you know, your, your accreditation lapses after who knows a period of time and you have to prove that you can still do it ah, fascinating subject i think it's a great idea i just can't see a, a, a problem in loads of people learning things and proving that they can do it but the uh, the certified wp thing is really interesting to me as well especially because it's got that real angle of you know it knows who its people coming through the pipeline are very clearly and and where it's going to put them out at the other end. That's great. Hi, Max. He says hi. Sorry. <laughs> On this. Yeah. Uh, so I have a client that runs kind of, so it's called XY Planning Network. And they run almost like the Better Business Bureau for financial advisors. And so they charge these advisors a yearly fee. And then those advisors get listed on their like search portal, which I built mm -hmm. with Facet WP. Uh, and so there's like a tangible lead generation benefit to paying for the, the certification. And if, you know, these problems that were circulating here of like, everybody has to agree that this certification is meaningful, it has to be paid for, I mean, uh, or kept up rather, if it was coming from like wordpress.org and mm -hmm. on wordpress.org, there was a database of all of the certified WordPress professionals. And perhaps when mm. you click into a professional's profile, it says what their certification is valid through and probably orders by like certification relevancy. So if somebody's certification expired in December 31st, 2022, maybe they wouldn't show up. Maybe they'd be at the bottom of the list. Mm. Um, but yeah, things like that, you know, because everybody, if it's on wordpress.org, assuming that the qualifications for it aren't just BS, people are going to inherently an employer. If they see it came from wordpress.org, that's that obviously carries clout because it yeah. comes from the horse's mouth, you know? Uh, yeah. We so have, we have an awful lot of, sorry. I am. I think somebody was about to speak. Sorry. I was just going to say, it reminds me of those courses you could take on LinkedIn, mm -hmm. you know? And then it says like, you passed the course for oh. awesome copywriting. The skills test or whatever they call them. Yeah. Yeah, the I, I guess the, the tightrope to to tread here, or the needle to thread, is 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 a hybrid of things, isn't it? You know, it's it's a making sure that the the course is actually worth sitting, so it's not just some sort of Mickey Mouse qualification that is, you know, 
really it doesn't have any it doesn't hold any water because it was too simple or it was too easy to cheat or whatever or you can take seven years to get through it and you still get the same qualification as somebody that did it you know in in a finite period of time whatever but also you need the people at the other end of the pipeline the people taking on board employees you need them to totally Mm -hmm. buy into it and i think i think putting it somewhere prestigious whether that's on org or some other property Mm-hmm. is a is a really key part of that you know and if you can search and filter for i don't know people in the us in boston who know how to do react who are available from february those kind of things mm-hmm. start to make it feel a little bit oh and you can see and they did this course 6 months ago and passed with mm-hmm. flying colors whatever all of that feels like a yeah a really great a great idea Courtney says she's also part of the Certified WP board. Thank you for clarifying that, Courtney. So she's with you, Jess. Um, Hopefully, we'll soon have our own tabs on profiles. Okay. So on WordPress.org, in the profile for each of us, there will be something to do with the qualifications that we took. That's interesting. Uh, When you say hopefully, do you have high expectations of that, or is that um, maybe a bit of a maybe? Course completion doesn't equal certification, though. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's a good point. So just because you mm-hmm. finish something doesn't mean you actually pass the pass the muster. So we need some way of showing not just that you mm-hmm. went through the LMS, if you like, but you actually took the test at the other end. Yeah, 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 yeah. This is a really interesting, <laughs> really interesting subject. And I think that, yeah, probably we'll come back to this many, many times in the past. Thank you, Courtney, for uh, helping us through that one. That's brilliant. Okay, let's move on. Um, an event to mention. Uh, the first one I want to mention is YoastCon. I believe this is the first YoastCon since the pandemic uh, in real, you know, in, in person. I don't know if they held the event uh, virtually, but uh, they certainly have had it in the, in the real world in the past, as can be seen by the pictures. But it's back on again. It's on the 11th of May. It's in Nijmegen in the Netherlands. And if you go to yoast.com forward slash yoastcon, if you're into SEO and all that good stuff, which I'm imagining Maddie might be, I don't know, a um, little bit, a little bit, yeah, uh, <laughs> then it's on. Uh, and obviously it's going to be a, a whole load of things. It says insider knowledge, exceptional speakers, load of workshops, experience recordings. And you can see the list of all the participants there. Okay, so that's the first one. The second one is the uh, an event that I'm running, Page Builder Summit. Uh, we're doing it again in February, 20th of February. So that's in, ooh, what's that? It's like, ah, oh my Lord, I've just given myself a fright. That's in about four weeks time. Oh, good grief. Um, it's coming, if you want to help us put the event on, and you do want to help us put the event on, let's be honest, all of you want to help us put the event on. <laughs> it's uh, There's more information to be found at pagebuildersummit.com forward slash sponsors. We're still on the lookout for a few kindly individuals or companies. There's micro sponsors. You'd have to be a giant entity. It starts at 300 bucks and you'll get your name in the emails and on the website and all that. But it goes right up to the, the gold sponsors and so on. So if you fancy doing that, please join with us. That would be great. Okay, this is interesting. Didn't see this coming. And to be honest with you, I'm a bit thin on the detail here, but it looks like Automatic has launched. Well, I don't know if launched is the right word. There is uh, an ad network called the Blaze Ad Network, and it was brought to Tumblr. And if you don't know too much about Tumblr, it's, it's a social network which had its heyday many, many, many years ago. I believe it was bought by Yahoo and then Automatic, 
acquired it several years ago. I mean, you couldn't make this story up in terms of timing and bought it for it was like i think two million dollars that's the number i've got in my head which considering three three okay yeah three three million dollars which considering that twitter fairly soon after decided to you know loot shed a lot of its users and twitter just kept get mentioning or get mentioned all over the place you know on all of the national press here when they started talking about twitter and the people that were flying away from it Every time that story got published in all the public publications, Twitter, sorry, Tumblr was one of the alternative social networks which was mentioned along with, you know, Mastodon and so on. So they've probably done really well. And more recently, they brought this ad network to life where you can pay $5 a month, which gets you somewhere in the region of, I think, about seven or 8,000 impressions. And they'll promote your ad into Tumblr. But now, via the magic of Jetpack, uh, you can also put the, that same ad inside of WordPress.com websites. Now, I don't know a great deal about WordPress.com, but I know that there's a lot of websites on it. And interesting that Tumblr have decided to obviously pitch this technology into, into sort of one thing now. So if you go set your ad up, you can get it into two things. You can get it into Tumblr plus, plus WordPress.com, and you can do it all from your your Jetpack account. I, I don't know whether this is worthy of this podcast because it's edge case, but I thought it was interesting. Any thoughts? I think it's really interesting. I mean, it's a money-making opportunity for automatic. I mean, I guess Blaze Ad Network is probably what's going to get the majority of whatever the ad dollars are, but I'm sure automatic gets a cut of that. And um, I think it's a big opportunity for publishers too. I think most like paid ad um, people who are new to paid ads and I don't know a whole lot about them, but it's sort of generally accepted that $5 a day will move the needle with the right targeting, you know, with the right audience and things like that. So it's, it's an entry level way to test paid. Yeah. You get the option to, I'll just put it on the screen because the the UI is easier to understand probably than me explaining it. I so you to... get to, you get to categorize your, so you create your ad, um, you know, text and then there's a little um, editor where you can put some imagery along with it and so on and then you give it a category give it a budget uh, five dollars is the minimum and i think it goes up to a maximum of fifty dollars that in itself is quite interesting there's a ceiling on there because you know if you go with google i think there is no ceiling i want to spend a billion dollars a day they'll they'll take that off you i'm sure and then you give it a duration start date hit go basically so you're in for a maximum of well what would that be let's say $250 if you five days a week. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, like you say, if you can move the needle at that point, it's quite interesting. Sorry, carry on. This is my one story for the week where I get to say, and Pressable is owned by Automatic. So I speak for myself <laughs> and not the company. <laughs> um, I started getting back into Tumblr um, like a year ago, uh, because obviously Automatic owns it now. And it's still kind of the same as we remember it. Mm -hmm. um, but I can tell you when the Blaze ads started, it was mostly people, um, I can't use the word, but it was S-posting. Um, they would, uh, S-H-I-T posting. Um, oh, really? That one, yep. Yeah. And yeah, they yeah, were yeah. basically doing $5 promoted posts, like, look at my cat. You know, here's a picture of a shoe. 
<laughs> like people what? were just being dumb with it and it was hilarious because it was um, so affordable it was just yeah, for, okay for five bucks and here's the other thing um maddie mentioned targeting and that is key <clears throat> so when you're on the google ad network um bing ad network you can say do not ever show me on these sites only mm -hmm. show me on these sites and under these conditions mm -hmm. um blaze is not that nuanced yet and you don't actually get targeting or negative um, targeting. You don't really get to say anything except for uh, this is about food and beverage, um, mm. which, you know, can lead to some hilarious results. Uh, I do know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it's going to be more nuanced. I can tell you that Pressable is absolutely participating in this right now. Um, candidly, I have not gotten any sales from it, <laughs> but I do get a lot of traffic. Um, I will say I'm interested to see where this goes as mm -hmm. an alternative to, you know, Google and other ad networks, mm -hmm. but without that targeting piece, I feel like people should really know what they're getting into. Um, and then of course, you know, advertising on Tumblr, uh, somebody said later in the post, I'm going to read it directly. It was a great quote. <laughs> um, Tumblr blaze in practice is less so inflicting a post on others and more so submitting your post for judgment by the masses. It's like a colise <laughs> It's like a coliseum, but you pay to be eaten by lions. Oh. <laughs> Interesting. So it's almost, And so yeah. if you post something super corporate -y and a whole bunch of people on Tumblr see it, they're going to let you know what they think about it. Right. Right, because it's like a regular post, it can it can consume comments and all of that as well. Okay. Well, and unlike Facebook, where you get people commenting on your you know sponsored post, why are you showing on my page? It's those people, but they're funny. Oh. And... <laughs> well, let me just let me just go through what Sarah Sarah Gooding in WP Tavern says. She basically says that you can do the following things: you can organize it by device, so you want to be showing on mobile, desktop, or all devices. Uh, you you can, according to this, click a geographical area, but it's not very nuanced, as Jess said. You've got you can do it by continent. So, you know, I guess if you're living in Europe, that's quite a lot of variety right there. Um, or Asia or what have you. I guess North America might be a little bit more straightforward in terms of targeting there. You can also pick uh, an area of interest. So arts and entertainment, automotive, business and education. And it breaks down as follows. What they're promising in return for $5 is uh, 5,900, so 6,000, let's call it, 6,000 to 8,000 impressions in a day. If you go up to $25, it's 30,000 to 40. And if you go up to $50 a day, it jumps up to more or less 60000 to 80000 a day, which to me, just in terms of raw numbers, I don't really follow Google um, ads and or any ad network, what their numbers say. In terms of impressions, that seems like a pretty good deal. But whether or oh, not these are engaged... Oh, it's super cheap. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, yeah, whether or not these are people that are engaged, I, I often feel like social networks is like, scroll the ad, scroll the ad. I'm so immune to ads in search results. They basically are blank white boxes to me now. There it is. I know it's an ad. I can not even going to look at it. Um, but yeah. I feel like okay. I need to cover myself so that I don't get angry Slack messages. Yeah, um, <laughs> there is that targeting that you mentioned. It's just not as nuanced. That was my no. only point. No, sure. but it's new, right? It's only come out in the early Yeah, part exactly. Of, right. Yeah. 
things Best develop over time. You have yeah. to start somewhere. And that's Anything why you get say on this five stack? bucks. <laughs> I mean, yeah, for impressions to cost, it sounds like an incredible deal. And I think to your point, Nathan, um, it just depends on where your audience is. Are they on Tumblr? Just like any other any other social media platform, you have to consider like, are they even on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn before you spend the money? Yeah, it does feel like a it does feel like a very small subset compared to Facebook's audience, doesn't it? And the fact that you can really target it's it, just interesting. I'm sure this tech, if it proves profitable for automatic, I'm sure they'll tweak it and maintain it and make it better. I mean, yeah, why wouldn't they? Sorry, Zach, you've been excluded from this one. If you want to hop in, do so. Yeah, I mean, my only thought is it seems like if if you run the kind of business that can run profitable tabula ads or something like that, this would work. Like just broad targeting, not niche at all. Seems cool. If you do any kind of niche, like it would just be mostly useless leads. It, it, so we mentioned a minute ago that I've got this page builder summit coming up. Obviously, that's like a really slim, 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 super slim uh, segment of the population that would be interested in that. They're WordPress, but they're also kind of like implementing often, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, obviously, I wouldn't be able to do that here. But still, a part of me saying I should definitely sink 50 bucks into that and see what sticks because the impressions are just so just so great. You know, if you get 80,000 people looking at it, I don't know if even four of them would actually be interested. But like you said, Zach, if you, I don't know, if you're selling something super generic and you just want people to engage with your content. So like, you know, I've got an article, the 10 best reasons to do this, that, and the other, then yeah, maybe there's something in that. Maybe you can drive people that to your track, to your website and annoy them by clicking continue, continue, continue at the bottom of your blog posts, which <laughs> never ends. Uh, by the way, top tip, if a blog post starts with a number, just don't read it. <laughs> 16 things you can do no don't yeah. start with a number what if it's uh, like right. three things though is that a number no i don't know i just see those all the time maddie you could talk to us about this is that a thing like i see that all the time i see copy like that's 10 best ways to uh, every week when i put this uh podcast together i go through an rss feed and it's all to do with WordPress. It consumes content from all over the place. And I've just, it didn't take me very long to realize that anything that started with a number was basically not worth reading. And it just because it was, I don't really need to know the 10 best plugins for the, the I wanted more newsy sort of content. So yeah. Mm. It gives you options. I guess that's that's what I think of listicles. It's, it's not that I'm going to read the whole thing. I'm going to probably skip around to see whatever it is that I that brought me there. Um, I will say that I will never read a Twitter thread that claims to have any amount of substance because that I don't like to sit on Twitter for 10 minutes reading the same thing. We've all got our prejudices, haven't we, online? There's we do. <laughs> <laughs> will not I didn't even know listicle was a word, so now I, <laughs> I, I'm right. Now you know you dislike listicles. No, I'm not no, a fan of eating. listicles. Never liked listicles, Zach, to be honest. All this time, and I didn't, didn't even know that's what they were didn't called. Didn't even know what you didn't oh, like. Yeah, Maybe right. you'll like it more now. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so that's interesting. A new ad uh, network from Automatic being pushed towards WordPress.com sites and uh, Tumblr. Interesting to see how it goes on the WordPress.com sites anyway. That seems to be where the big 
big audience is going to reside. Okay, uh, this is very much a community thing. I, I don't really know in what way to couch this. That should have put my screen on, but it didn't. Oh, there we go. Yeah, it didn't. Um, a little while ago, actually back in WordPress 4.9 territory, there was a, a, uh, a fork of WordPress, which was called Classic Press. Classic Press was a bit of a, a stand against the, the introduction, which was about to take place of Gutenberg. Um, I never really had a problem of any way, shape or form with Gutenberg, quite happy to use it and watch it develop. But the guys over at Classic Press really didn't want anything to do with it. So they fought the project and it would it would seem that they're in a bit of a bit of a troubled spot um, in that they're trying to decide at the moment whether or not they need to refork WordPress because essentially since 4.9 to where we're at now, 6.1 coming on 6.2, the, the WordPress project has moved so far that a lot of the things that they would like to work in Classic Press plugins and so on, they're, they're just not working anymore. So it's, I really don't know where you go with a problem like this. They want to get rid of Gutenberg, but for the last th several years, Gutenberg has been the thrust of WordPress. And so reforking it um, seems like you're going to have a lot of work trying to strip that out again. Um, and I guess in a way it spells, it tells you what the... What the state of the project is when when the, the decision to to take this was put to a vote, uh, should we fork it or should we not? And the, the votes came in at 20 on one side and 18 on the other, a grand total of 38, which doesn't seem like a great deal of interest in a in a CMS. So, yeah, whilst 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 it's interesting, I'm just sort of thinking perhaps perhaps this is the moment where Classic Press sort of disappears off the horizon. I'm not really sure. Don't know if anybody's got anything to say with that. Do you about. do you know why Classic Press existed? Like, because from the start, when everybody it, hated Gutenberg, they released that disable Gutenberg plugin. So why was that not enough? They they wanted an option where you didn't have to have Gutenberg even loaded in. Gutenberg. Don't even look at it. Yeah, don't you want to? Yeah, <laughs> not even like it's not in the code. There is no there's no trace of Gutenberg. Mm. Uh, yeah, so my approach right at the beginning when five, when six came around, just because I had a bunch of client sites, mm. I installed that disabled Gutenberg plugin because yeah. I was just a bit of a I was a bit afraid of breaking changes, and suddenly clients starting a new post or something. It's like, what the heck is this? So that's exactly what I did, and then you know, several weeks later, it became obvious there was you know no real danger, no nothing broke. But I think that was the point. They just wanted all trace of it removed. They wanted Tiny MCE to be the thing. Um, yeah, it just seems, you know, they, how can you, how, how can a project like that, I think, compete with, with the the bigger WordPress thing? It's, it doesn't seem like it's very likely. So yeah. it, it can't. I mean, I think you could just take the numbers from that article and you can consider even just like the number of people who are, here, the four of us, the people who are commenting, who are all part of the larger WordPress community, we all contribute in some way. And so if we're saying that Classic Press only has 38 voting members right now, and they're going to try to maintain an open source project, I mean, if they, could, if they could get more of the WordPress community to be a part of that, it wouldn't be a problem. But at this point, it doesn't look like they have that support. I can fully see why there was that groundswell of people that didn't want anything to do with it because I can, I can understand that position. It, there, there, it wasn't like it was a silly position. It was just very different. 
um, I think most of us just said, well, let's just go along for the ride and see what happens. And and here we are. And now I'm, I use nothing really apart from the, uh, the block editor to do almost everything now and really like it. Yeah. So there we go. The article, that one is on, uh, is Sarah Gooding. It's WP Tavern. It's called Classic Press Community Votes to Refork WordPress. So you can check that out. Okay. I think this is going to be the piece that I'm most interested in this week. This is um, a piece over on a website called jeremy.hu. He's uh, Jeremy Herve or Herve, I'm not sure. He's written an article, and I, I, I've not come across Jeremy before, so um, I, I love that when that happens for a start. You come across somebody who's writing about WordPress you've never discovered before, and you read it and you think, well, that's really thought-provoking. Mm-hmm. He is an automatician, I think. So he works for Automatic. So he, he confesses right from the start. He says, I'm really prejudiced here, but give me a, give me a shot. Um, he said... Is what well, WordPress or social media? Where should you publish your thoughts? WordPress, social media, pick one over the other. And I'll very quickly summarize social media is great for getting quick ideas off your mind. He says it feeds your ego, you can get validation from others quickly, and you can get an exchange of ideas going on. It's brilliant for that. WordPress is better for longer form stuff. But he also makes the point that um, he doesn't write on his blog very much, which tells him something, but he writes on social media a lot, which also tells him something else. But also, and this is the key point, it's very hard to interact with posts on your website, the WordPress website. I know that you can put share buttons all over the place. Comments don't really give you and don't really give you your commentator that immediate feedback. They don't give you the notifications. So let's say I write a post now on Facebook and Jess responds. I instantly know that Jess responds and I can do all of the little emojis and all of that kind of stuff. And it gets really engaging. WordPress doesn't really have any of that. And so it's, he would say, less engaging. It's got its place, obviously. We love it. But should WordPress evolve in that direction is his question. Should it have more of the tools so that you can write quickly and have that interaction with people so you know when they've responded, they know when you've responded, you can get all crazy with emojis and all of that kind of stuff. And I don't know. I don't know what I think. And believe it or not, it hadn't really occurred to me until now that this was even a, even a conversation to be had. But the more I think about it, I probably do 10 to 1 no, maybe even 20 or 30 to 1 social media posts to blog posts. I think the, the, the difference is pretty stark. I tend towards social media because it's quick, it's engaging, I can get reactions quickly. What are your thoughts? I'm keen to get into this one. So do we have a specific order or can I just start? Yeah, I don't know if no, I should no, no. go Whenever fourth because I'm fourth in the grid. I'll no, start. no. So I do a lot of uh, course sites for clients. Ah, there we go. I'm first now. Right? <laughs> uh, I do a lot of course sites for clients. And um, the, every, every time a client wants to do some sort of community, the challenge is always interaction. And so when someone like home rolls a forum on Discourse or on one of those like uh, WordPress plugins that are all old school, like uh, BB Press or whatever, the hardest bit is just getting people to come in and use it because they're oh, not there boy. already. Yeah. And so to me, the way I see WordPress is almost like as my 
repository for education and social media is like a form of community interaction. So to me, I don't really see any advantage of trying to make WordPress into something that it's not because even if there was all this functionality for live interaction, it still requires people to be just sitting there on my site waiting for <laughs> waiting for me to come talk to them, which isn't going to happen. And it requires me to be sitting there waiting for people to post comments and try to have a discussion. So I would think that even if the functionality is there, the interactivity would always fall short of social media and would frankly always fall short of discourse or circle or whatever mighty network standalone community thing you might make. Just Do you, Zach, um, cause I know you and I have had this conversation before in the context of like basically just switching off stuff, which is a distraction. So that aside, do you do you have periods in your life where the social media platforms, the Twitters, the Facebooks, whatever it might be, do they remain open as in some tab on your desktop waiting for the ping to happen so that you can or do you deliberately shut them down and, you know, have your time in them and move away, close them and so on? Yeah, I mean, right now I was telling you about Habitica when we were having our solo episode, but it's basically this like daily RPG habit tracker kind of thing. I actually have a Habitica thing to reward myself for going in and doing a social media because my preference is to just close it and never, uh, never think about it. So if I, I, I hate being interruptible, frankly. And so I would feel very stressed and I would get nothing done if I just had my blog open for comments or, um, uh, I I'm, I'm as a developer in a discord for, a SaaS tool that I use like as a customer mm -hmm. and that's what they use for support. And I, I find it so distracting to have discourse open, just waiting for a response back and stuff. So yeah. I'm probably not the best person to weigh in on this because I don't like, I don't like the interruptibility. And so when I want to do community interaction, I want it to be like on my terms, a scheduled block of my calendar. Mm -hmm. This is my hour that I am interacting or whatever, which is obviously kind of an anti-pattern for Twitter because the whole thing with Twitter and maybe the whole thing with any community is that it's meant to be fresh and ephemeral and happening live. I don't know. Yeah. So in the conversation that you and I had on that podcast, basically it was all about the, the possibility of turning stuff off, that that was a broad pattern and also rewarding yourself for doing things that were in your interest, not in, not in your interest. But, um, I, I was saying to Zach that one of my things, which is just always remains open, is email, and I check it habitually. And just the little favicon, which says the number of emails, that's enough. If I see that has gone up by an increment of one, it's like, Whoa, stop what you're doing, Nathan. Go check the email. That's going to change your life. Um, and I do that all the time. And I, there were definitely periods in my time, uh, sorry, in my life where Facebook was open, Twitter was open, all of these different things was that were open. They had notifications enabled, and a part of me liked it. Now, whether or not it was great for my productivity, I, well, the answer is obvious. No, it was lousy for my productivity, but I enjoyed it, and I got engagement. And if, if that was the intention of your posts on a blog, mm -hmm. that would be nice to have. But I don't know what the system is, because nobody's going to sit there with your website open, waiting for a response to come through you know, in the comment system, it's just not going to happen. So even if you've yeah. got notifications enabled, so maybe there's just a, a line in the sand. So blog on WordPress is for, you just put content out and see what comes back, but it'll be slower as opposed to, you know, the social media platforms, which is just immediate hit, get, get it out there, get the reaction, move on 10 seconds later, you're onto something else. I don't know. 
Yeah. Jess, um, Maddie, anything on that? Back in the day, I worked for Copyblogger. And I don't know who on here knows them, but, you know, there was an entire community in their comments Mm -hmm. on their WordPress website. Nice. And people would interact with each other. And, you know, again, I'm definitely aging myself, but then it kind of went out of vogue to have comments on your Mm -hmm. blog posts. And it took some of the, you know, community with it. Mm -hmm. Um you know, there were still people that would sign up and you'd find them in other things that, you know, the, the WordPress website included, um, which was like a membership community and things of that nature. Um, but, you know, we're not really seeing people running, you know, BB Press like they used to. And like, you know, the, the different social media-esque elements are not exactly popular anymore. Um, it's not easy to build up a community in comments. So while I absolutely love to guard my time and have boundaries of when I get distracted and, you know, the more Twitter kind of turns into a dumpster fire, the easier it is to ignore it. Um, but you know, I also find that when something's going on and I want to know what's happening, I check social media because they're usually faster than news sources. So yeah. I think there's a lot to be said for where people go mm-hmm. when it matters most. And I don't know. I'd, I'd love to think that they're going to come to my little blog, but. Yeah, that's, I think, that is a... Sorry, Zach, you carry on. Sorry. I mean, I'm happy for you to go first. I, I Okay. I was just going to say, I think it's an interesting point you make, and it circles back to the point the dude made in the article which was that he feels more inclined to post small stuff on social. Uh, The thought that I have is like, people may come to your site as the, or you may go to some other site if you habitually saw it as the place where breaking stuff, small stuff would happen. But then to me, the concern I would have is that the line of quality, you know, like Mm -hmm. if, if you see a site as the authoritative place where you go to get a deep dive and really make life decisions from it's, I would think never going to be the same place that you would go to get a little hot update that they just barfed out without thinking about it because they're kind of at odds with each other. So how would you, how would you be able to do both? I wonder. Yeah. It's kind of the difference between like a blog and like a news category on your site or something like Mm -hmm. that, or separating them out between social and, and your blog. I think the thing that this article made me think about was just the old adage, don't build your house on rented land. I think we're kind of seeing that play out on Twitter with, you know, people's temperature in terms of like the current leader and the direction it's going and and whether they align with that or not and deciding, you know, if they want, if they built a platform there, if they want to keep it there and WordPress, because it's open source, like it's ours, it's transferable if you want to bring it somewhere else um but nobody nobody can really like take your content away from you so long as it's yours and it's not like a violation of somebody else's copyright um i i loved when you could do um and you could probably still do this but like my first wordpress blog i think i had the facebook comments instead of the wordpress ones And honestly, it was because it was easier for people to use. Some people don't want to make an account on your website and 
again, I'm just like so out of it now that I don't know what the current situation is, but I do think that requiring signups is a barrier to community on WordPress sites. Um, the last thing I was going to say is I think of, you know, to Zach's point, like WordPress or your blog is like where the longer form content lives, the quality where you can really dive into a topic. And I think of Twitter, or LinkedIn, or, or any other social platform as the place where you can then go to repurpose that content in shorter form to drive people back to your website if they're curious to hear more. Yeah, that feels like the way it's gone, doesn't it, over the last decade, that the, the social platforms have become the advertising network for each of us in a way, if yeah. we are producing content uh, on our blog. It's, it's highly unlikely that you're going to be discovered quickly unless you have some, you know, random television appearance or something like that. But through repurposing it, reposting, getting shares on social media, it feels like the way to, to get people driven to your website. Yeah, I, I just I am beguiled by the idea of a, t a suite of tools which you could embed in WordPress, maybe even part of WordPress core, that somehow enabled some of that interaction to happen so that there wasn't the whole logging in to make a comment. There was just something that you could, I don't know, anonymously... I didn't mean to say that. Nobody wants anonymous posting. That's going to be a train wreck. But <laughs> you, you know what I mean. Something where being logged in to, I don't know, something on a browser perhaps as opposed to a social network um, would, be, would enable you to one-click log into all WordPress sites or something. I know that you can do that with WordPress.com and things, but yeah. I don't know. Well, I just I'm like the idea. I'm interested to see what Mastodon does. I mean, like, yeah. Nathan, why did you set up your own Mastodon instance? So the reason behind the Mastodon instance was essentially I was just I was just hearing too many too many horror stories about um, about Twitter and this is going back like two years ago, mm. so it was nothing to do with the ownership because the ownership wasn't in question. It was more to do with more to do with Zach's point about people just getting sucked in, wasting their time, and all of that. But also, I I just I have a sort of sneaky there's something about me I don't know if it's my upbringing that thinks that really the the thing that we're given in return on social media is not that great you know we're we're getting all sorts of information sucked out we are the product as people keep telling us so it was a bit of a reaction against that if i own my own mastodon server i know that i'm not selling anything to anybody i know that it's just code that i run um and and those kind of arguments i just didn't like the idea of me being the advert and i was increasingly seeing examples of real world where things were just going wrong in the real world because social media had its finger in the pie somewhere so it was more to do with that really i'd love for mastodon or something like that something open source mm. to be the to be the conduit for me logging in all around the web but but i do think i do think this guy jeremy's got a point i would love because i'm so into wordpress i would love for it to be the first place i turned when I had anything to say, short, long, medium, or whatever, but it absolutely isn't. Um, I just put the, the long stuff there, yeah. Well, Matt Mullenweg has said he's looking for more ways to integrate Mastodon mm -hmm. and that sort of concept into WordPress, and I kind of wonder what the future holds for that. You know, maybe the answer is, you have that central place where you are publishing what you are doing, even if it appears on someone else's stuff, like, you know, when you want to leave a very long and thought provoking comment that you don't necessarily want that other person to own. 
Mm-hmm. Um, it could be on yours, but somehow talking to theirs. You know, it's it's about connectivity at the end of the day. And social media works when we're all kind of on a level playing field. Yeah. And I don't know that that, you know, that hierarchy that comes when it's your WordPress, but you want people to contribute to it has that same feel. Rob Cairns. Hi, Rob, by the way, um, makes a really interesting point. You said Mastodon is not the answer to free speech. uh, Sorry, free speech issues. No, I I would agree with that, Rob. I think my broader point was that um, Mastodon, though, is the answer to algorithmic chaos. Um, And what I mean by that is if I'm on Twitter, I I really don't know what the device is that's putting the next thing in my feed. Um, It's just beyond me. I don't know what the algorithm is. Same with Facebook. You know, I, I, I get... I get patterns coming up and I, I'm always curious, how did that, how did that pattern establish itself? Where, when did Facebook decide that I like, I don't know, that thing? And that's what I like about Mastodon as well is there's none of that. It's basically when did it happen? That's it. That's all the criteria that there is. So your face, your feed, if you're following lots of people, scrolls past hellishly quickly to the point where you can't even read it. So it forces you to cut down who you're following a little bit if you want it to be readable because you can't, you know, you want one thing to drop in every few minutes or something like that. Uh, so that's what I'm thinking there. Also, Courtney says that she also, Jess, uh, was a copy blogger and third tribe community member. I don't know what third tribe is, but it sounds cool. Um, and Mark Westgard. Hi, Mark. Mark's uh, from WS Forum. He says, hi. Thank you, Mark. And nomad skateboarding. I think I don't know. We we've come across you before. Nomad skateboarding. Yeah. Uh, I like WordPress to always be the hub. Yes, that's kind of my my thing. I want it to be the hub, but I fully recognise that at the minute it's nowhere near. It seems like being able to do that. I feel flights. like in order for it to work. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, share share. No, no, no. Just one more comment from uh, Todd. Todd Jones. Uh, <laughs> you guys are still going. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never stop, Todd. <laughs> Sorry, Zach, carry on. I feel like in order for it to work, because again, to circle back to that, people are already there kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And based on, on what Maddie was saying about the separation of newsletter and content and stuff, it almost have to be something where it would like, it would allow for platform ownership where anyone who follows you, you would own the platform you posted on your WordPress site or whatever, but that it would allow the end user to interact with it from a central place. Like right. how they could go onto Twitter and see everyone they follow. Uh, yeah. If something like that existed, I mean, it, it would be quite complicated, I guess, because it would require yeah. a lot of buy-in from users and site owners, but it could just function as like, I don't know, WordPress plugin with a custom post type that updates an it, API or something. But. It'd be yeah. kind of cool if there was a place where you could just log in, but that service did nothing else apart from authenticate you. You know, it literally, that's all it did. It was just, a, so it wasn't like, you know, you log into Google, that that brings the world of Google to your doorstep. If you log into mm-hmm. your WordPress account, you've got the, if there was a way of authenticating yourself against just a service which had no skin in the game, but then business-wise, that's not going to last long, is it? <laughs> yeah. But if they had like an aggregation where, it, let's say it functioned just like Twitter, but the data instead of... Mm-hmm having been posted on Twitter was just posted on people's individual WordPress instances and you as a user yeah. subscribe to the people you like, then yeah. it give the user that same social media experience to give you the that's, site owner, the central place. And maybe that would work. That's generally what I was thinking with the Mastodon tie-in. Is that mm-hmm. how Mastodon works? No, not yet, but I'd love for it to, but that's generally what I was describing. If you want to leave these thought provoking comments, 
you could still own your content. Mm -hmm. There does seem to be a groundswell of support uh, uh, in around, so uh, Mastodon, amongst a load of other things like Pixel uh, Fed and a, a bunch of other service user, use a thing called ActivityPub, which has been around for a really long time. And ActivityPub, all, all that you're doing when you look at Mastodon is you're watching a, a, an implementation of ActivityPub. That's all it is. And well, I say that's all it is. It's very clever. But, that's all. You know, it's a, yeah, it's activity pop. And there's been a lot of talk about drawing a line between. So this has come from right up on high. I think. I think Matt tweeted about it. You know, making connections between activity pop and WordPress posts. I guess the grounds. The, the ground seems to be moving in that direction. Lots of people, I think 3 million users last time I checked on Mastodon. That's pretty high considering just a couple of months ago, it was, you know, less than 100,000, I think. Um, so it's, you know, there's a groundswell. 3 million people are not to be ignored. And if there could be connections made so that you logging in could then cross post stuff from Mastodon and Mastodon could then, there's another, there's a really good plugin. It's just called Friends, um, which which uses activity pub, I believe, and it enables you to do a lot of this stuff as well. You can create a network of friends, but the, the, the problem is it still requires you to, well, at least it did. It still required you to have a big presence on your own website before people would discover you. But now maybe with, with Mastodon being bigger, maybe there's something going on there. I'm fairly bullish about all this. I think maybe Jeremy's onto something and maybe activity pub and those kind of endeavors are, going to be in the background but i i, I really would love the idea of my wordpress website which i know and i control i would love that to be the hub of all of it that would make me really a happy person and then of course i'd you know get my LastPass account hacked and uh get locked out but, you know <laughs> happens to everyone any of you using LastPass? by the way there's an aside oh have you seen this story Anyone? Beulah? I use LastPass, but I have not seen the story you're referencing. Oh, right. I've okay, seen so... it, and it makes me really sad. Here's the story. Stop using LastPass <laughs> right now and go and find an alternative. Really? Your vault, wow. your vault has been nicked. Oh, shit. Um, and it's only a matter of time. It could be a really long time if you've got a really long password. If you've got a <laughs> full-on pseudo-random noise junk you know, no character is connected to any other character. 30 characters, something like that, you're safe as houses. But if you've got a very short password and bites knuckles, some people's settings were really horribly configured by LastPass to offer even less security than uh, than was provided. There's this iteration count where they hash the, the, uh, the password and it was supposed to be set at 100,000 and 100, so 100100 uh, iterations. Lots of people uh, discovered that it was set to 5,000, and in some cases, one. Oh. Uh, and if it's one, there's no point in having it. You've just, what's the point? It's the same as the password, basically. So, yeah, get, I see, look, Rob's, Rob's agreeing, get off LastPass. Yeah. So, uh, and I've gone, I've gone to whoever this is, uh, Nomad Skate. That's I've Mark Andrew. His name is Mark Andrew, and he is an absolutely wonderful member of the community. Oh, hello, you Mark. Yes, you should check out his website. He oh, actually, okay. like, makes free WordPress sites for people that can't afford them. Oh. He's just, like, such a good dude. When we no. finish this, um, Jess, can you can we, can we talk about Mark? Because I'd like to. <laughs> yes, like to he's a Mark. wonderful human being. I'm a huge yeah. fan. Mark, nice to meet you, or Nomad Skateboarding. Uh, I've gone to Bitwarden as well. That was the one that I decided was the uh, 
the one for me. So, uh, yeah, the original users, that's right. Um, and there was the seemingly there was no process to update those original users unless you went into settings. And I think interacting with settings so might have done it. But, um, mm. yeah, yeah. Oh, look, he's, he's all happy here now. Look, oh, appreciate it, Jess. That's nice. Uh, right, okay. Right, okay. That's a, that was an interesting piece. Thank you for your thoughts on that. Do you We're know running out of time, so I'll let's see what I can oh, okay. drag in. Jack, sorry, Zach, were you going to say something about this? Feel free. Are you meant to change all your LastPass passwords that were in there? That's no, it like. makes no difference. Your whole vault has been nicked. No, but I mean, like, yeah. if you go set up Bitwarden, you should change everything because oh, they had yes, already Yes, certainly, yeah. So the, Unfortunately, the, yes. The process would be um, <laughs> download your LastPass vault, uh, which can <laughs> download it somewhere where you don't have like a backup because it's in plain text. Oh my um, God. Then upload it to Bitwarden. In my case, upload it to Bitwarden, delete the backup, uh, then wipe your hard disk <laughs> or something like that. Um, and then go around and nominate, you know, start to pick out high value passwords inside mm. your LastPass vault. Like it might be your banking one or whatever. Just go through them one at a time. I've got something like 1,500 to go through, and I'm, I'm about, I'm several hundred in. Um, but That's yeah. my personal hell. Yeah, it is. It, it really is. But it also demonstrated to me how much I hid behind this one unknowable fact. Mm -hmm. um, I've got, you know, credit cards. I, can you believe yeah. it? I wrote down the numbers of credit cards and things like that in there. Uh, passport numbers, national security numbers, all of those kind of things are in there. So I guess I'm doing some Google searches later, and I yep. will be Nathan Wrigley by the end of the day. That's right. <laughs> yeah. I think what, what, what I did was I isolated anything. I just went through the whole list, and I, I tried to isolate anything where there was e-commerce involved because I thought, well, mm. they might have a credit card attached to it. Yeah. So, uh, and also things which really, really mattered to my productivity. So I immediately went and changed the WordPress website password for the admin for all of the accounts that I've got anything to do with Google because you know I use email and things like that that's obviously another vector if they can nick your email account often the the reset instruction goes to the email all of those kind of things but yeah yeah hmm. anyway sorry there we go uh okay so Peacher is here there she is Oh, Peacher, every single vault has been compromised. Well, yes, Peacher, they didn't say that every single vault has been compromised, but they didn't not say <laughs> that every single vault has been compromised. And if you're a security company and only 40% of the vaults have been nicked, I'm pretty sure that they're going to say only 40%, only a subset of our users have <laughs> there. So, yeah, I think it's pretty safe to say. Uh, Kathy Zant is your best friend here, Peacher. She will... Uh, she will get you straight on all of this. Speaking of Peacher, very quickly, Peacher and I have got a show coming up on Tuesday. We do this regular thing called the Peacher Neri. Well, it's called the UI UX show. And Peacher takes user-submitted sites. And we spend about an hour talking about them. You know, what she likes about them from a UI perspective, what she thinks could be improved. She's a total pro, so it's free advice. We've got, I think, enough shows for this episode, but if you want to submit them, go to this URL. It's wpbuilds.com forward slash UI and uh, get it on for the next show. It's great. <laughs> we also, after dark patterns, which are now called deceptive designs, you know, there's annoying things around the internet where you click the button and go, oh, it was the wrong one. They got me. 
I added the insurance to the cart when I didn't want it. I just wanted the flight. <laughs> that kind of stuff. That's all deceptive design. So if you've got any of that, there's a there's a field here where you can add it as well. So yeah, join us on well tomorrow in about 24 hours time. That's what we're doing. Uh, what is the time? It's 26 minutes past. We're going to have to just run out of WordPress news. Let's get to the silly stuff. Uh, first things first, this one. <laughs> I love this. I love the underdog. Uh, this week in The Guardian, a, a completely unprofessional guy, like, he's not an archaeologist, he's been, he's been really interested in these old cave paintings at places like Lascaux, and single-handedly has discovered there's a, a dating system built into the paintings made up of a series of dots. Uh, for a long time, archaeologists apparently have been convinced that there's been some information held in those dots, but never figured it out. And then this, this guy just rocks up and says, yeah, I reckon I've uh, reckon I figured out what people were saying 20,000 years ago. Here's my thoughts. And the, uh, the archaeologists and the pros took a look at it and said, yeah, you're right. <laughs> just like, oh. So that's my silliness for the week. Uh, it's, on, it's in The Guardian. It's called Amateur Archaeologists Uncovered Ice Age Writing System. Very cool. And we had some other stuff, which I'm not going to share this week. I haven't got time. But I did want to share this one of Maddie's. This is yours, Maddie, right? It is, yeah. Tell us about this. This is cool. Yeah, so for those who aren't familiar, ChatGPT is, I guess, the GPT-4 AI model, which... What's really interesting that people don't realize is it's trained on data from like 2021. So yeah. anything after whatever that training date was, it has no idea about like 2022. <laughs> um, so that's that's the limitation currently. But anyway, so people are interfacing with this chat GPT, which is basically a chat that spits out like an AI answer. And so Ryan Reynolds went in and gave it um, those checkmark things. He wanted it to specifically include those things in a script for a mint mobile ad and it did and if you watch the video it was like very spot on and and ryan reynolds agreed which is certainly a scary thing for for all of us to think about so the ad he he, he asked it to produce an ad in his own voice not not like so it sounded like him but it had the you know the the, the feeling of a, something that ryan reynolds would say it needed to contain a joke it needed to swear at least once there needed to be something about a uh, big wireless and an offer that they were putting on and right. uh, yeah he, he reads he just reads it off the paper and it's like yeah you wrote that there's no way a computer wrote that and i have to say for the first time this week i actually tried jack jack chat gpt out mm -hmm just to see what all the fuss was about. I've seen people using it left, right, and center. And I've got to say, I really did have to pick my jaw up off the floor. It was, in one sense, amazing. Like, there's no question it's amazing. But in, in another sense, it was also horrendously terrifying. Yeah. Um, because I, I just thought, what, you know, and in your case, Maddie, copywriting, actually, I, I should... I'll put this post on. Let me see if I can find it. I did have another post about something like this. No, I can't find it now. Maybe it's for next week. It was a post that I found this week um, all about the fact that uh, one of the major news publications, I think it was CNET. The CNET one, yeah. CNET, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, CNET this week have, I don't know if they exposed it themselves, but it has become exposed that over the last six months, 72 of the articles that they've put out about technical things, because they're a tech publication, have been entirely written by 
AI. And, you know, that's 72 pieces of work, which, okay, maybe they would never have been written. Maybe they would have been squashed as titles. But, Maddie, maybe maybe somebody's job is going out the window because of that. Does this stuff bother you? Um, honestly, not yet. Um, I think the AI is going to continue to get more and more robust and, and maybe as it does, I'll get a little bit more nervous, but I think like the main thing that I think about with stuff like this is just the fact that a robot can't have empathy and that comes across in the way that you try to appeal to somebody to get a conversion, for example, for talking about marketing writing or, um, to otherwise connect with a piece of writing and you think about like Ernest Hemingway or, or even, you know, some like interesting Stephen King one-liners. And it's like, could a, like, could a robot have really come up with that one really nuanced sentence, you know? So you, mm. you look at, you look at like AI generated copy next to human generated copy that's supposed to elicit some kind of emotion. And typically you find that the AI generated copy falls flat when it comes to whatever the purpose is that it was written for. It's a very, it's, it's very good at making you think that, you know, it's, it, it works. And um, at first blush, I think it does come across a certain way that makes us nervous. At this point, I'm not nervous about it. I have a couple of thoughts on that. The first one is that I remember Gary Kasparov was playing Deep Mind. I think it was called Deep Mind. He was, he's a chess player. He was a very successful chess player. And he was playing in this tournament where they were, for the first time, hitting the best chess player in the world against a computer. He, in the end, lost. But I remember seeing this moment where the, the AI moved and he literally... So imagine him staring at the, the board. They're completely motionless, aren't they? You know, they move a piece and then they sit and watch. He literally sort of like shot back in his chair and said, no human makes that move. You know, that's not a human move. Yeah, like that's not so what's coming out of me there is we don't I don't even think we know what they're thinking, what they're <laughs> what they're uh, what their constructs are. You know, you, you've right. gone through the whole of your life building your constructs into what is coherent thought and what's clever. And, you know, Ernest Hemingway was able to produce that sentence based upon all of the things that happened in his life and out that popped. The AI oh. might, might not even might not even wish for that. And, and, a, and an example that comes to mind is if you look at an octopus, which is clearly pretty darn clever, but we don't have any insight into what, le- what that cleverness even feels like. You know, it's probably not modeled around language, which is what you and I are thinking all the time. So I think the AI is already mocking us. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we'll give them this little bit of stock <laughs> off the edge of the table. We'll let them have it. The- anyway, it, it amazes me and it worries me at the same time. Zach, yeah. Jess, just before we end, any thoughts on that? I mean, I have used AI in a lot of different contexts. So I've used uh, AI for art generation for my music, like for uh, release covers and stuff. I've used it for dev. I've used it for writing. And I've been on the whole, you know, at first, I think, you know, Maddie said, well, like at first blush, it seems very threatening. It seems very intense. But like the way I can, the way all contexts of it that I've experienced boil down to is like, an approximation of something really freaking good. Uh, so the art, if you if you see a thumbnail, you're like mind blown. <laughs> but then if you look at it in detail, human figures are missing heads and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, and I keep having issues when I've used it for dev where it I've used it for some WordPress stuff. So like anything I might normally go to Stack Overflow for, 
I've been using it for because I was originally writing it off. And then I have a friend who's been leveraging it for research, who's been like really encouraging me to not write it off. And I don't want to be a dinosaur who's saying, oh, no, this new stupid technology. So I've been trying to force myself to use it, but I keep having these instances where I'll very confidently receive a wrong answer. I use it for Thanksgiving mm -hmm. recipes, just got a bunch of BS that was not like I needed a fact check and I'm glad I did. I've gotten some dev answers where it's like, this code should just work. I, I asked it like, is this syntax correct or will this hook work? What are the parameters it uses? And mm -hmm. a lot of the time it just gives me wrong information, but it's framed exactly. as if it's totally certain. And then I'll ask it a question. I'm like, but actually isn't blah, blah, blah. And then it's like, oh yeah, well in this one instance. Like, well, <laughs> Sorry you know, about that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't been uh, super impressed with writing. It feels like the 2022 slash three version of an article spinner from back in the day. Mm -hmm. Like it's just kind of regurgitating things that have already been said because that is its life experience. Right. Uh, so we were talking about LastPass. There's a guy who uh, who is he's he was interested to discover what LastPass uh, what data is in the clear because if you've got a LastPass field, uh, let's say you've got a data point like you'll log into Google. Several of those fields are encrypted, some are not, but that's by design. Um, but if you dump the data out, it's hard to pass because it's just this comma separated, just just tons of characters written to the screen. So this yeah. guy asked ChatGPT to write a PowerShell script for Windows to pass it all, and it did it first try. And then he said, and then can you put a UI on it so that other people can use it? First mm -hmm. try. Took seconds. And, and he just asked it that question, basically just asked it in plain English, write me a PowerShell script to, to, you know, to deobfuscate LastPass. Uh, so it knew all about LastPass. It knew how to write in PowerShell. It knew how to build a UI with all the fields. Apparently, there was one problem with the UI. Two fields overlapped slightly. So we had to go in and make them not overlap. It was like, I'll forgive you for that. <laughs> it's just like, they're coming for us. And it's exponential. It's not like humans where we just get a little bit better each yeah. generation. These are, yeah. you know. Anyway, on that bombshell, well, I'm going to ask Jess to give us opinions. <laughs> These are not the jobs I'm hiring for. I need my AI <laughs> to do my laundry and to cook mm. my meals and yep. to collect the food that I need for my meals so that I, as a human, have more time to create. Yeah, that's the perfect use case. Yeah. You know, in yeah. Tallinn, here in Estonia, there are these little robots that are self-driving robots that go to the store and pick up the food and deliver it to you. It's pretty cool. <gasps> you see... You see, and you put chat GPT in there, and you can have a conversation with it. Is it going down the street? <laughs> that banana is too mushy. Yeah, Go back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, thank you so much. I realize we've overrun. I do apologize about that. I'm going to put me back in the top left of the screen because we have to do this slightly humiliating thing at the end of the show where, look, Jess is doing it. We all wave if that's all right. This is just the thing that we do. So, can I get Maddie and Zach to what? Yeah, you see, it wasn't that bad. Oh, thank you so much. I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, first of all, Jess, thank you so much. Maddie, thank you. And Zach, really appreciate it. Hope you come back. Thank you to all of you who left us comments. There was quite a few coming in there. It's always fascinating. Our audience are always really engaged and interested and thought-provoking. <laughs> but thank you for all of the bits and pieces that you threw in there. I really appreciate it. We'll be back next week talking about WordPress. Have a nice evening, day, Monday evening, whatever it may be for you. We'll see yeah. you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>